Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America Wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 1233 here in Edmonton. Brendan S. Scott with you on Oilers Now. Some guests of the show do receive gift certificates to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Follow the sizzle to Alberta's own Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Maggie and the staff that Oilers Now sent you. We're shifting focus here. We're going to go into the junior ranks, and I'm pleased to be joined in studio by the general manager of the Edmonton Oil Kings, Kurt Hill. Kurt, thanks for taking some time out of what I'm sure is starting to be a busy season for you guys hockey-wise right here. Yeah, I know it seems like summer's gone by quick. We got uh, training camp opening up here pretty soon, so it's uh, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Hockey mode is it's truly here now. For sure. Uh, now, four seasons that you actually played in the WHL, 04 to 08. Um, now that you've seen it for a full season from a general manager standpoint, just uh, outline some of the differences and how that game has changed in the, I guess, 15 years now since you played. Yeah, it's well. It's amazing. First of all, the the skill level that the players have nowadays, and everybody's ability to skate so well. I mean, when I played, I mean, you get away with maybe not not having as much skill and you know finding a role in the team. But even the role players nowadays, it seems like they all you know they all work with their personal skills coaches, skating coaches, and that. So it's just amazing how far the game has progressed from that level, and it truly has become. It's you know for guys that want to make it nowadays, it's it's full time. Like you're doing all the training you have to do. Even when I was when I was playing, I don't think guys were they weren't doing it all summer, and they weren't you know it wasn't everybody didn't have their nutritionists and all these different coaches they have nowadays so it's really you know for those guys that want to make their step not only to the junior level but then to the pro level afterwards it's amazing the amount of work and the effort that goes into it from the players perspective for sure and it's funny like think back probably during your time and then certainly before it being a two-sport athlete is what kept you in shape through the summer and now if you're not doing specific training really from the time you're an early teenager you're you're like behind the competition right oh there's no question like especially for the high performance guys like the guys that are a part of the hockey canada program of excellence I mean those guys don't even have time to have, to be a multi-sport athlete right now they're, they're doing Hockey Canada stuff throughout the entire summer and then you get the guys that get you know if you're lucky enough to get drafted in the NHL you got your NHL development camps that you go to so it's really it's a jam-packed schedule I mean other for the other than the guys getting out and playing a couple rounds of golf or maybe within their training seminar they you know they play basketball or they play some volleyball or something in their training programs other than that they're pretty much hockey 12 months a year nowadays for a lot of them so your last year was your first uh, kick at the can here as the general manager of the Oil Kings program, um, and you took over from a team that picked first overall in the the Bantam draft. So you go from, and the cupboards were were stocked. There had been some pretty good drafting, I think we can agree, uh, in the years leading up to you taking over. But you get Dylan Gunther. Uh, nobody really knew what to expect out of your team last year, and I think you blew a lot of people away. What was your take, uh, just on your level of surprise that that you were able to accomplish what you were in such short order 
Yeah, you know, last year, when I talk about the team last year a lot, I think at the end of the day, like a lot of the players that we had here that had, had been on those teams the the previous two seasons, that's where there were, those were tough years for the guys, but a lot of it was just those guys getting their confidence back. It wasn't that a lot of them had been high draft picks themselves. They're, they're, they were veteran players in the, in the league, maybe not through those years when, you know, they went through some tough times and some of the tough minuses and that, but they, they really did have an opportunity to get their confidence back and really prove what they had. And a lot of those players, they, they, they did it they relished with it and I think pretty much well we've talked about it as a staff before every single guy in our team had a career season last year with the exception of one player and that was more sense due to injury but so when you got every every player come back find their confidence um, and everybody has a career year you know that's that helps you get to the third round of the playoffs just by that there 42 wins, 92 points. You win the Central Division. Brad Lauer was in his first year for this team behind the bench. You picked him as the guy or were part of the selection process for him being behind the bench. Why was he the right fit? And it obviously paid dividends, whatever you saw in him, to put him in that role. Yeah, you know, Brad, you know, his wealth of experience, obviously at the pro level, you know, you, you instantly know there's a credibility factor. There's going to be a respect factor there for the players, you know, for a group that kind of had, as we tell, as I mentioned here, going through some tough years and, you know, get, having a guy to come in with that credibility and for them to trust with the, the systems he's bringing in and what he's trying to preach and what he's trying to teach them, you know, that was key. Um, Brad had had previous experience in the league working for Kootenai as an assistant coach before. So, you know, he had previous knowledge of the league. He played in the league for the Regina Pats. Um, so very familiar with Western Canada, being from Saskatchewan himself. Um, you know, Brad has teenage kids at home himself, so I think he really truly understands this generation of player and, you know, well, not the player themselves, but like the, the generation of kids growing up and what they're going through these days with social media and, you know, going to high school and all that. I think he was pretty well versed in that. So, and then his, obviously his hockey knowledge and then coaching in the NHL for the last nine seasons and bringing that in with just his entire system and, and formula with there. And he's a great people person. Our entire staff likes him. I think everyone in our organization likes him. And yeah, he did a, he did a fantastic job. And in saying that though, our entire coaching staff did a tremendous job like Luke Pierce another guy who was a previous head coach in the league for Kootenai and you know he's got a wealth of experience in the league too and he he was a great addition to our staff last year and then you know our training group our other support staff that we have all of them right from top to bottom uh, an, except, an exceptional team we have from the staff level as well. How important was it to you to have somebody who was familiar with Western Canada and and what does that I guess how high of a level of importance is that placed when you're trying to find success in the Western Hockey League? Does it take somebody who knows this circuit out here in order to succeed? Well, I th if you want to find it quicker, I think it does. Like at the end of the day, if you, you bring a coach and that's completely green from Ontario or the Quebec League, I mean, not to say that they couldn't. If they could drop with the right team, I'm sure they could find instant success. But I think in the Western League, with uh, you know how big our territory is, you're, you're expanding across four provinces and two states, you really... Um, Having a guy that's familiar with that and the travel and just the different arenas and the different, almost the different cultures and feelings you're going into fans like it's it's completely different when you're playing. We have a home game here at Rogers Place, or you're going to PA and playing a playoff game. It's it's two completely different dynamics, and they're both great dynamics. But you know, just having somebody that understands that uh, truly helps. And uh, you know, and then another guy to mention our director of scouting, Jamie Porter, who's been he's been in the league for 17 years with Swift Current previous. So having that support too on the match side for me as a guy that really knows the territory really knows you know everything small town across western Canada and really where all the players are being developed at the end of the day chatting with uh, general manager of the Edmonton Oil Kings Kurt Hill um, chemistry 
is obviously important to any team, but what you guys were able to do last year, you mentioned there was a lot of returning players, but you had the new coaching staff. You've got, um, you know, young, impressionable guys. So when you're looking at assembling a roster, assembling a coaching staff, chemistry is obviously a focal point for you. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. Like last year, the chemistry with where our team came, I mean, for, for a group of guys that, uh, you know, we, we added a lot of guys last year too, especially adding three 20 year olds throughout the season, a new starting goalie, um, you know, for where they got from the start of the year to the end of the year, I, I don't know, like my first year, obviously being a manager of a team, but it was amazing how close those players were. Even this summer, I know the players, there was one point we had 10 of our players from last season get together in one of the kids' hometown. And, and you know, that's this isn't a group that's been together for four years. This is a group that was together for one season. So I think, you know, getting deeper into the playoffs helps with those bonds that you create. But, you know, it really seemed like the group, and maybe it was a little bit of the hard times they went through. They really throughout the course of the the year really started to love to win and I feel they got really close as a group and you know I attribute a lot of that too to our 20 year old group we that we did bring in we had Los Yavo who had, who was a four-year veteran of the league Benjafield another four-year guy so those two guys get fresh starts in a new you know a brand new place where they've never they've never played before and I think uh, it was a breath a breath of fresh air for them and then uh, close to the deadline, us getting Andrew Fighton, who had won the year previous. I mean, he just brought that whole leadership group to the next level um, in regards to, you know, just changing the, the mentality on how to win games and how to win consistently. He really brought that into our room. And, I mean, Trey Fix-Wolanski had an exceptional year last last year. And he's, he's one of those guys last year, every time he was on the ice, the other team kind of puckers up a bit and they say, oh, boy, this guy's back out there. Oh, for sure. And you can look at the 102-point season. But I think beyond that, I mean, I've had the pleasure of talking to him um, on and off the air. And he's just such a well-put-together young man. So to be performing on the ice like he did, but also wearing the C and sort of driving that ship too, I mean, that had to have been blessing for you to inherit oh and there's no question i think trey well probably back to when he got drafted there by columbus in the seventh round i think he really kind of took that that whole uh, next approach to his game and really really wanting to put in the extra to to be a pro and you know from the moment of the start of the year we put the c on his jersey he really you know he led by example every night uh, for our group out there he won us a lot of hockey games with the amount of points he put up especially early in the season and when really when we started to win early a lot of those guys got that confidence back and really he drove the boat on that and I remember a play, I think our last game last year against PA in the playoffs, we ended up losing in game six, but he had a tremendous play in front where he, you know, he finishes his check in the corner shorthand and goes in front, finishes another check, scores a goal. So, you know, it, from where he came and his ability, his uh, willingness to want to win too and how much he cared at the end was fantastic. Do you think it was amplified in the eyes of his teammates because he is a bit of an undersized guy? He's not out there just physically dominating necessarily, but he plays, he's a nose to the grindstone player, but, but with that skill and those leadership qualities? Yeah, for sure. You know, he competes. He he really does compete hard. And, uh, you know, his game, He I, I felt last year he really rounded his game out up too. Like his, at times, maybe when you're, you have a couple losing seasons like you do, the defensive side of the game can be a little frustrating at times. And, you know, I think we had some of those growing pains early in the season. But, uh, again, that contributed to the coaching staff and getting him to buy in. And uh, really by the end of the year, pretty complete, really complete player for us. And, and not taken away from his offense and being a complete player and continuing to score and provide the offense that he did but now being a little bit more responsible in the D zone. Let's do this. We'll press pause a little early here on Oilers now. We'll come back and we'll sort of we'll go down the sequence of events that led to uh, ultimately a third round playoff berth. Uh, we're chatting with Oil Kings general manager Kurt Hill. It is Brendan Escott with you on Oilers now. This is Oilers now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. 
chatting in studio with the general manager of the Edmonton Oil Kings, Kurt Hill. So, Kurt, uh, we mentioned it going into last year. It was it was sort of an unknown, and I don't think anybody was picking you guys to win the Central Division necessarily. You start off in, and it was early in training camp or early in the season, and a couple injuries to goaltenders, and right away your hand was forced into making a deal and picking up Dylan Miskew out of Brandon. So, um, what? what uh, I guess that sort of built a foundation for you at the back end, at least, because Miskew ended up being a pretty key part of of the regular season at the very least for you guys. Oh no question. I mean, going into training camp, we had we had Todd Scott and and Boston Bylas that were they were both coming back. You know, veteran players in the league, and that was kind of the way we were going to run. And well, we had Sebastian Costa too that ha- came and had a had a really good training camp. And but um, you know, sometimes for 16 year olds, it's good to get another year midget and get that playing time in. And we, you know, we really at the start of the year, Todd Scott was going to be the guy, and then you know he gets an injury to the ankle, and uh, uh, so then Boston Bylas is kind of the guy, and Costa's there. So he we're, we're kind of set up. Up and then the same day, Kosa gets hurt in, in practice too. So we got bang, bang, two guys down. And uh, fortunately enough, uh, we were able to work something out pretty quickly with uh, Brandon, who had a couple had, had their own goalies. They had Patera, the Vegas pick, and uh, they had a young a younger goalie there as well that they were going to run with. So um, it just worked out. Um, and what Dylan did last year, he had a he had a tremendous year, added some stability back there. And you know, for Dylan too, it was his first opportunity to come in and be a starter with the team. He had been with Victoria and Brandon previously, and in Victoria, he played behind Griffin Outhouse for his time there. And in Brandon, he kind of played a little bit of a with Thompson. They kind of were one one A one B, and ended up winning a playoff series for them there. And you know that was one of the biggest pieces with him when we looked at the goalies in the league and who he wanted to go get. You know, we knew he had high character, and he had won a playoff series before, which you know we felt we had a a team that had had a chance to at least make it into the playoffs last year and uh, you know having a goaltender that has some some experience especially winning in the playoffs was huge for us and it'll be those two again miskew and scott uh, looking at well camp's going to be an open battle because kosa's coming back uh, as you said so what uh, you excited to i guess just watch this unfold in front of you and then make a decision from there yeah, we do. You know what? You got to evaluate everything every day. You know, you get around the league. You talk to different teams, and there's different ideas being thrown around all the time. It's uh, especially this time of year. It seems like it's pretty busy with with guys talking. And I mean, Victoria made a couple big big trades this week that seemed to maybe spark the phones a little bit more. Everyone's kind of back in in hockey mode here. But yeah, you know, it's. Uh, it's really an exciting time when you have uh, players coming in and competing for positions. It's a good problem to have. And uh, anytime management and coaching staff has tough decisions to make in camp, uh, you know, the players did their job. And, uh, you know, you have depth. The scouting staff has done their job too. So uh, competition is never bad. Your top three scorers from last year, Trey Fix, Wolanski, Vince uh, Lasciavo, and Quinn Benjafield. None of them are returning. There's some big shoes to fill there, but you, you had those players emerge last year. Um, is there anybody, you can go down the list of names like Jake Neighbors and Carter Such and Josh Williams, and you've, you've got some pieces in place to fill those roles, I think. Yeah, you know, there's it, it's amazing in junior. It's a, it's a progression, and where, where kids can go, the players can go from 16 to 17, 17 to 18, 18 to 19. You know, those years are, those are huge summers, and it's amazing how much they grow as people. And for our group, 
you know, it's exciting to watch who's coming back. We've got a lot of young, really good young players, a lot of them going into their 18-year-old year. You know, the, the guys you mentioned, and then there's Keeler and uh, Vladimir Alistrov, who had a really good year for us last year. So, And the list goes on with, with our players and, and the depth that we do have. We added the 20-year-old forward, uh, Riley Sawchuk from Tri-Cities, a guy that had a 50-point year last year. So that helps there as well. But, uh, you know, for the whole group, it's kind of an open challenge for them. Everybody's for them the guys coming back it's I would see if I was a player I'd be pretty excited knowing that there's a lot that opportunities there I mean you take three guys off the power play units you take three guys off there in the last last minute of games when you're behind a goal there's lots there's a ton of opportunity there and you know we're a little bit uh, we're gonna have to be a little bit score by committee next year and we had a deep team last year but I think from top to bottom this year we we have a really deep team and we're continuing to get deeper as a group what do you think the strengths of this team are going to be i had people texting in about the defensive core it looks like you've got a pretty good group there uh, but you guys did trade will warm last year is that correct or at some point here we traded him in the summer yeah yeah yep. there so, you go so here's another 20 year old this year so again with what what we have coming back there in that in that area and uh you know, it was a good opportunity for Will to get closer to home too. He's from Van- he's from Vancouver, so going to Victoria, it's uh, close to home for him. Finish out his 20-year-old season and a, a good opportunity for him. He's had a couple tough years here with injury and that. And but in saying that, when he came back last year for a guy that missed five months for us, and then came back in January right before the deadline, and and he was he was key critical to us and, and where we ended up going in the playoffs. He accepted his role and and played really well. But yeah, the, to talk about our strength, the defensive core, you know on paper coming in they look it looks pretty strong i hope it ends up being that way but they're all we got a very experienced group back there they're all really good puck movers they all skate well and again the playoff experience is invaluable for what we were able to to learn in those three rounds last year do you think you mentioned going deep into the playoffs there the bonding that that has but in some senses, that has to have almost elevated the ceilings of the of the, the potential of some of the players that were there in some senses. Confidence being a big thing, particularly when you're talking about young hockey players. But you took a guy who might have been, you know, a C-grade prospect and, and maybe that kind of thing has bumped him up to a B-grade knowing now and, and having the experience of what it takes to win. Is that crazy to say? You know, it's not. I think uh, there's been conversations in, through my year here that I've been in, and, you know, teams around the league, they value playoff experience at the end of the day. Guys, when they're making deals for players, they want guys that have, have been in the playoffs. And, you know, so having those guys, having the experience on your team, I mean, everybody wants those guys. So their ability to, to just mature more every year and, and and grow as a player, it's you really find out kind of which guys want it when you start playing in those playoff games. And our our group collectively played well last year there, and I think uh, it was a bit of an unknown. I mean, the regular season was an unknown, but uh, we had like two guys in our team that ever had playoff experience last year going into playoffs. So it's pretty pretty special what the guys were able to accomplish. And then you get external experiences for some of these players. You now have Matthew Robertson, Josh Williams, and Jake Neighbors, who have all represented Canada at the Holinka Gretzky Cup over the last two years. Um, when you watch these guys come back from a tournament like that, do you see another elevation in their game, that kind of thing? Yeah, you know, you really do. Those events are, again, they're, they're guys got to train all summer and they got to be prepared for those events. So it's, again, it's a little bit, you got to manage manage those players when they come back because they need a little bit of rest too. You know, this, you got to make sure that it turns into a long season for them if you really try to ride those guys early. And But yeah, the maturity and, you know, those experiences really do help those players. And um, so exciting for Jake. I mean, that's, there's playing on the top line over there at that tournament. It's not, an, that's not an easy tournament to go play in and, and they represented our country very well. So, and, um, you know, even this season, we, this year we had guys 
uh, Gunther and uh, and Slaney went to the under-17 development camp this summer, and last year Kosa got to represent Canada at the under-17s as well. So, yeah, there's lots of guys in the program right now that are getting the call from Hockey Canada also. You look around the world of professional sports and and NHL teams reluctant to send their players to the Olympics and you're seeing it now with basketball with some of these guys picking up injuries, playing in international competition. As a general manager, do you hold your breath a little bit when these guys are overseas and, and obviously a tremendous learning experience, a great experience and something you're never holding them back from. But sitting there, uh, are, are, you, uh, are you a little bit nervous that there might be something you're going to have to deal with that had nothing to do with your team? Yeah, you know, I think it's always in the back of your head when guys go away and play, whether it's even the top prospects game or Canada-Russia series when you have players go there. And, you know, they really freak accidents half the time. And um, maybe I don't get as nervous now after the goaltending thing at the start of last year's camp when you lose two guys in one day. But, no, definitely it's always in the back of your mind. But, uh, you know, we had a lot of injuries last year. And around the league, you look, it's it's tough, especially on defense. Like, I, even other teams I know they really dealt with it like it just seems it's guys can really skate now I don't know if it's the pace of the play and it's just it's guys it's tough it's tough to get through 68 games and not be injured training camps long playoffs are long like it's difficult and we had a player last year Jackson Alexander played 15 games for us and he was a guy we acquired from Swift last summer and again another guy that's kind of been through the whole Hockey Canada thing and you know mm, for him it's he only got to play 15 games last year and that's when we talk about our d and how where we think they're going to go this is a he's a a really good player in the western league like hockey canada program of excellence type player and we're going to integrate him into our lineup again this year too so that's a a real exciting piece to add but it's tough for d to get through the the course of the season but yeah i guess Long answer to the question, but yeah, it's always in the back of your mind. You just hope the best. One of the other tendencies of your team last year was it was streaky. You end the season on like an 11-game winning streak, right, heading into the playoffs. But in and amongst that, there was a lot of six-game winning streaks and six-game losing streaks. And obviously that kind of thing is an outlier. What, is, what does that do to a team or a player or, or whatever when you're you're constantly riding those kinds of waves? Yeah, geez, we started off so hot there, and I think we go 5-0 and to start the year, then we go to the U.S. and don't win a game and go on that slide. And But, you know, last year, if we if you could talk about a certain point in the year where our team really started to bond and what was maybe the turning point was that trip and us going on that trip being banged up, that's a really difficult trip to go on and win games. The U.S. division, it's a, it's a whole other animal down there, it seems, and there's lots going on. The buildings are loud. It's different, and, yeah, it was, it was a you know looking back you maybe think you could we probably deserve a little better maybe to win one or two of them on that trip at least like but it happens and i think it was a really really huge bonding moment for our team when we come back and you know we start we start winning again and then we ended up going on another little losing stretch at the end at the start of november and then after that really it seems kind of right when december on we really started to understand and we didn't lose too many games back to back at that point i think second half of the season i don't know if we did it once where we lost back to back games and that's where some of that experience with with fighting and our entire group's um mentality towards winning and understanding what it is to win and how to win late in games it really came kind of paid dividends uh, that second half of the year which was uh which was a really good yeah to win 11 in a row to finish the year was uh something special 630 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 
105 in Edmonton, hour two of Oilers Now, brought to you by Digitex. Don't spend your valuable time meeting with door-to-door sales reps. Your all-in-one convenient location is digitex.ca, Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. We've got uh, Oil Kings GM Kurt Hill in studio with us here. We're getting some text flowing in uh, pertaining to our conversation topics at 630-630. That is the Heartland Ford text line with over $10 million in new and pre-owned inventory. They're one of the largest volume Ford dealers in Alberta. Experience the difference of Heartland Ford. You can keep in touch as well on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, 780-496-0063. So, Kurt, we've kind of talked about last year and and, uh, the ups and downs and and the success that you had uh, uh, certainly towards the end of the year. But let's let's look forward now and immediately I want to talk to you about Dylan Gunther. You get him full-time this year as a 16-year-old. We know he's got an incredible shot. What are you expecting out of him as he transitions into his first full year with you? Well, you know, he's first overall pick, so, you know, he, he got the opportunity to play eight games for us last year. He got in a couple playoff games, so he's he's kind of uh, almost been expedited a little bit in the experience and in the league and understanding, but uh, he's got a big year. That's a good big year ahead of him for It's not easy, you know, expectations are high for people. They're going to they're gonna be. He's a first overall pick. It's always going to be that way, but at the end of the day, it's you know there's going to be no panic on our on our staff side like it's it's not easy to play in the league as a 16 year old it doesn't matter we saw like Jake Neighbors is an exceptional player that played for us last year and at times of the year last year he had a tough time and it was it's a long season going from you know playing midget and playing your 40 games and now you're playing 68 and you're traveling and you're going to school and you know it's difficult but you know from what we're getting on the on the on ice product I mean his shot um, one of the best shots I've seen, you, you know, from a player of that age, and even in our league, it's it's pretty amazing how quick he can get it off and with the accuracy, and uh, you know he works, he competes, he's a 200 foot player, he, so many intangibles. He's he's a special player. So from that standpoint, we know um, he's going to be going to be a guy that can come in and he can play probably up and down the lineup. He can be on your first line one night, and or you know maybe if things aren't going, he can play down on the lineup too and play in a role. But every time he's on the ice, he's He's young, but he's he's going to be one of those guys that's going to be a threatening player for sure offensively. Right, and we saw him, uh, I think it was four points in his eight games. So he's he was already producing at 15, and now here he comes in 16. But you mentioned he's a bigger body too. You think that's going to help him uh, stick around and, and maybe lessen the load, I guess, physically on him, just being more of a physical presence out there? Yeah, for sure. For sure that helps. And, uh, you know, he's developed and he's pretty strong. I know he trains hard in the summer. He's had a great summer. He's improved his skating. He's improved his, you know, his physical strength. So all those things... Yeah, he's trending upwards to be an incredible story, an incredible player. But again, it's you know for for fans and it's it's never easy to play and it's 16 in the Western League, especially playing in your hometown. So it's expectations should be tapered. And you know what? And he's the ball's in his court to come and have a great year. But you know, at the end of the day, it's it's difficult to play at 16. But he's he's a phenomenal player at the end of the day. So he he'll be leaned on offensively along with uh, you know Jake Neighbors. We've talked. Uh, ad nauseum about uh, Carter Such as another guy. I'm wondering if there's anybody that uh, you noticed last year that wasn't really getting a lot of the spotlight, who maybe b- deserved a little bit more, and who you're expecting to take a step forward this year. Yeah, you know, one guy we haven't talked about much is David Cope, and he's, you know, he's another big body, and for a big guy, his ability, how he can move out there, and his puck skills are are pretty tremendous. He went to Flames camp here. He's going back to to their rookie camp in September, so he's. You know, he's a guy that was on a lot of the team's radars for the draft and in the later rounds and didn't end up getting picked. But 
Um, a guy, you know, that grew a lot last year and he's a guy we expect to take a big jump. He's going to be a 19 year old for us this year. So we talked about a lot of those guys that are turning 18 and, you know, we got some guys turning 19 himself and, you know, Scott Atkinson, a, a real reliable center we have. Those guys, you know, again, they got to take it to that next step and they got to produce uh, at the 19 year old level now at this point. Atkinson won one of the team awards uh, from this last season. Is that correct? Yeah, he's a, you know, I think we, he was one of the unsung hero awards. He's, he's a guy that, uh, you never have to tell him to do those little extra things. He's kind of the the guy that keeps it. He doesn't keep. He keeps everybody honest because he does it all, and he does it all right. He doesn't take shortcuts ever. And you know, he's a he's a guy that didn't wear a letter for us last year, but he was one of our leaders, definitely in the room and uh, on the ice with what he does. And kind of you know, the guy that does everything. He took a lot of important faceoffs for us last year. He killed a lot of penalties. And for a guy that didn't play on the power play, he had the the most even strength goals for our team last year as well. So. Um, pretty impressive. He's got some great offensive abilities. He, he led the midget scoring league when he was 16 in BC, so he's got he's got that in him. And you know, but again, his his leadership is uh, you know second to none for us. Well, we'll take it in that direction right now. Do you have an idea of what your leadership group is looking like as you head into the season here? I think a little bit. We've talked about it as a staff a bit, but again, it's. Uh, Things can change so much over the course of a summer. Some of these young players, they they completely mature and they come back and they're almost different. I don't know. They're matured. They're matured. They're different people almost. They've they've grown up. So, you know, I think you have an, a little bit of an idea in in the back of your mind. But at the same time, you you bring the guys back to camp and you see who uh, grabs the ball and runs with it and has a good camp. And and you know, a lot about it with leadership is how they treat the young players too and the rookies coming in so they you know you need those leaders that are going to be leaders on the ice and that but you need those leaders in the room that are you know they're going to going to develop our young players and treat and show them the way that the oil king way that we have and how we want things to run we talked about uh, a little bit about Vladimir Alistrov, who was your import pick last year. Uh, 38 points out of the import draft and just talk about him and maybe taking a step forward this year as well yeah, you know, for a guy that came over, he's a high pick in the draft, so you expect him to have the numbers. And 38 points, he had a good year. I, I would say successful first year. A lot of times the import players, it takes them that that transition year to kind of get acclimatized. And Vladimir, he, he didn't speak any English when he came over, so he had to learn English last year. And, you know, he had that whole kind of getting accustomed to the North American lifestyle and that. So he got the he got a chance to do that last year, and now... You know, it's uh, he speaks English now and it's ready to tend to kind of take that next step. And 38 points last year is a good year, but he's going to be somebody that uh, you know relying on taking that next step. He's got he's got exceptional skill at the puck, unbelievable the things he can do. He, I think you know in league top tens he could have had two goals in there last year. Pretty amazing plays he made, beating defenders and scoring in tight. But uh, you know now this year it's kind of a little bit. He's got to take that next step and work on his 200 foot game work on using his teammates and quick give and go plays and you know but uh, yeah again we're, we're expecting big things from him this year and uh, i think he's he's a pretty com- competitive guy pretty pr- pretty solid person off the ice too so i think he's up for the challenge your pick this year and forgive me if i pronounce this wrong uh jesse sapala out of finland uh, he was representing finland at the holinka gretzky cup if i'm not mistaken there so uh, what, what do you know about him what can you tell us yeah him, myself and the director of scouting got to see him play at the under 17s last year for finland so uh, we really like what we saw there he's a he's an extremely competitive player 200 feet he's got great puck skills not afraid to kind of get himself in, into the mix in front of the net and uh you know, after the whistle on that, is, I think some comments about his size. He's a smaller guy, but I mean, he competes hard. And the one thing 
happy to get a Finn too because I think they play so close to the North American style of game and so I think he's going to have an easier transition over here to to our style of play and the way that our coaching staff has our players play and he's completely fluent in English too so hopefully uh, a little bit of a quicker transition for him but again it's uh, he's a he's a 17 year old so this is kind of a long-term play we could have him for three years with our group and um, so get him acclimatized to the group and let's get him acclimatized to North America here in year one and see how he does scouting players for that draft maybe a better question for Jamie Porter but just what you, you've got such a wide reach over there there's a number of different countries that you could be drawing from what is that process like throughout the season yeah, you know, you want to try to get to the international events if you can, and the under-17s is a great one. We went there in St. John's last year. This year it's in Swift and Medicine Hat, so a little closer to home. You get an opportunity to go see them play. You know, yeah, a lot. some of the times for those countries that don't come over and get to participate in that event, you're relying on video a lot too, and, so, you know, it's around that import draft time. You're doing a lot of video, and um, a lot of it too is run, like, the agents have a lot to do with that draft too at the end of the day it's agents telling you which guys are coming over which relationships you have with agency groups and who's willing to tell you the truth about guys it's uh it's a different style of draft like it's really kind of it's a, a lot of its relationships and that but yeah from the scouting the actual skill of the player and that it's it's video and uh, trying to get out to see them in the international events when they're in north america well he'll be uh, helping you guys compete for another division title here in your opinion uh, where do you guys stack up against the competition right now there's so much changeover from year to year in the whl prince albert didn't really have to sell the farm in order to accomplish what they did last year so they might not have the drop off that swift current did before but where do you think you sit in the pecking order both in the central division and then in the eastern conference yeah, you know, it's uh, the Central Division, it's kind of, you know, they had it was a weak division a couple of years ago, and but it was a tight division, and then last year it was extremely tight down the stretch. So, I mean, there was, I think, all four, five of our teams were within 10 points of each other there before the playoffs. So I'm expecting the same thing. I think teams are, it's going to be extremely tight. Uh, there's going to be a lot of good teams in our division, and then the Eastern Conference as well. There's some, there's some teams that I think are going to take the next step over there. I know Saskatoon just made another big deal there, there. We'll see if Doc comes back to them. Who knows? That's a little bit of a question mark right now for them. But at the end of the day, they're going to take a step. I think Brandon, you know, a team last year didn't end up making the playoffs. I thought they could have been a playoff team. They're kind of trending upwards with all their young draft picks as well. So, and PA, anytime, anytime you win a championship, it doesn't matter. Like that next year, you still have a good team. You have a group of guys that, that know how to win. So they're still going to be a great team. But you never really know. I guess last year, you, you see what we did. And we were a group probably that teams were, maybe people weren't talking about to start last year. So there could be that team in our division this year. And it's kind of until the season starts, you never really know. But I think uh, from the way our roster looks right now, we have a, we have a comp- competitive group. And uh, I think we'll be able to compete most nights. You see teams quite frequently load up over the course of the season on, uh, you know, guys that might not return the following year, but it's a push for the Memorial Cup. You know, I don't think that's a secret. So you haven't had to do this yet. You might at some point, and I, I think you're probably hoping that if you can get in a position to push for a championship, you're going to do so. But, uh, you know, do you, do you sit there and kind of weigh, is this the year to go for it? Do we wait? So just put me inside the mind of a general manager weighing those options. Yeah, for sure. Well, like even la- even last year, you know, once we got down the stretch, we as a group, like we truly thought we were we had a chance to win. Like we we get up to that series two one against PA in game three, we were 
we were really good in game three. We beat them 5-1 at home. And, you know, game four, I don't I don't think any either team came to play that game. It was a stale. It was a boring game. And we ended up losing 2-1. And that was a really huge opportunity for our group. And whether that's, you know, just we got, we got a little worn down or it was immaturity of the group, whatever it was, like there was a great opportunity there. So I think we were super close last year. Um, so you kind of evaluate it each year. You, our, we feel right now as a group, our lineup's quite strong. And, you know, are we going to try to bolster and make a, b- a bunch of trades and trade a bunch of first-round picks right now? I don't think we're at, we're at that spot, really. Like, I think with our group, we're going to see where we are the, the first half of the season. And then, you know, if we really think we're in a position to push, we'll look at it at that point. But with what we have and the amount of young players we have, we have an opportunity to be pretty pretty viable here for multiple years so i think at the same time it's when the time comes you gotta you gotta go and make those moves to go all in and you get the chance to win or win a memorial cup but i think there's there still goes like we're one year out of some tough years here so we you know it's it, for the group for the fans and for the city at the same time it's uh, to be viable for three or four years is a, i don't think anyone's going to complain about that too We've got Oil Kings general manager Kurt Hill in studio here. For those kids fighting to make the team out of camp, battling for a roster spot, what intangibles are you looking for to be a part of your team? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a little bit twofold. Like, guys, at the end of the day, guys got to – you have a depth chart and all that, but guys got to come and they have to have a good camp. Guys come, they don't have a good camp. They're not going to earn the trust of the coaching staff. They're not going to earn the trust of the management. So, you know, guys got to come have a good camp. And at that point, um, a lot of those players that are going to have opportunity to make the team, they're going to play in exhibition games. And we got five exhibition games this season. So intangibles, it's really going to see who uh, who gets acclimatized to our group, who's who buys into the, the coaching structure and who can acclimatize to that as well with what, what we're trying to preach. But, you know, at the same time, a lot of it, as I mentioned at the start, it's all about, you know, their own personal performance. And they're really in the driver's seat. It's the tougher that the players can come in and make our decision, uh, management and coaches, I mean, those tough decisions sometimes aren't easy to make and, you know, telling kids they're not going to be here for the year, that's very, those are the most difficult, that's the most difficult part of the job for a general manager, those conversations, but uh, when you look at it, when you're having those conversations, it's a good thing because your scouting staff's done their job and as an organization, you know, you're in a strong place. Memorial Cup is in Kelowna this year. WHL in recent years has really struggled at that level. Do you have any insight as to why that might be the case? I mean, this league was at one point kind of a powerhouse, I think it's safe to say, and and that's just went in a different direction the last couple of years. Yeah, I think it's trended. Like I know there's been some uh, this year at the Memorial Cup, there were some stats on how the OHL kind of went through a slump there. The Quebec League do so. I think all the leagues do. Um, they do go through those slumps. I think what from my my kind of outlook on it right now, I think those leagues the, the in the O and the Q right now they're they're willing to make mass deals each year. Like teams are really willing to flip players and for multiple pieces, multiple players, multiple picks, and really load up. And I think they're a lot of teams are doing that with each other because they're getting those picks back the next year. They know that they're going to get, they're going to be able to go through that rebuild where I think uh, out here, the parity, it's so close from year to year. I don't know if teams are as willing to do that right now because the teams are just so close and, you know, whether that's a, it's just the way teams have drafted and just the kind of the trend we're going through right now, but all of our divisions and where they were last, the U.S. division so tight. BC was tight last year. Ours was tight. The East was, I mean, PA kind of got ahead there, but Saskatoon was close to them. So I don't think there's as many teams willing to, you know, make all those flips to, to have three or four teams loaded up at the end where, you know, once the playoffs start, really 
anybody can beat anybody in the playoffs out here right now whereas you know some of those divisions in in those leagues they line up and there's some tough matchups in the first round but there's definitely there's a more of a willingness to trade and get ready for that tournament I, it seems like out there and maybe we're just not willing to do that out west right now i don't it's just trends right now Interesting. And finally, we'll leave you with this. The CHL gets its first full-time president. Dan McKenzie brought in a longtime uh, NBA executive. So the, the role there, I think, uh, as this entity wants it to be, grow the game, enhance player and fan experience. So what does that mean to you? Yeah, it's good. It's going to be, you know, at the end, all the three of the, the commissioners, I mean, they're going to, it's, it's kind of nice that we have now, I think one, our president is a commissioner of one of the leagues. So I think that, that helps. I mean, the other leagues feel like everybody's kind of on an equal playing field that way. Not that, and then the new president himself, I mean, his resume looks fantastic. So I think from a sponsorship, I know there's, there's TV now that they're going to be dealing with as well. So from all those different aspects, he should help. And, you know, at the end of the, at the end of the day, we got to continue to grow our game in Canada and the young kids. So I hope he brings a lot of initiatives to really, I think, you know what, we do a pretty good job here in Edmonton of the Oil Kings being connected to youth hockey, but I think we everybody can do a better job across Canada, and I think the, you know, all the kids, they, they do look up to the NHL teams and that, but um, in a lot of these small markets, they the kids look up to the junior hockey players, so I think really growing the game that way and having our, you know, all of our teams really really um, close-knit with all the minor hockey across Canada would be a real big benefit and, and continue to grow the, the game in Canada. Really appreciate you taking the, uh, the time. You spent an hour with us here, Kurt, uh, at a time that I'm sure you've got better stuff to do than, than jump on here with me. But thank you so much, uh, and I look forward to seeing what you can assemble here going forward in 1920. Always appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. 122, we'll come back with more of your text messages from the Heartland Ford text line. This is Zach Cassian from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. again a big thank you to oil kings general manager kurt hill for swinging by the studio and that was interesting to, to delve a little bit into the hockey mind um particularly with the general manager and, and to peel back the curtain like prepping for something like that in order to do an interview you you don't know how much to needle you don't know how much they're willing to to uh you know divulge i guess and you're talking on a pretty big market radio station right now but uh yeah i appreciate uh, the information that kurt uh, kurt delivered and going to be an interesting year coming up for the oil kings obviously surprised most if not everybody last year and what they were able to accomplish and then they turn over three they all of their top three scores from last year but then you get the dylan gunther then you get the jake neighbors a uh, lot of talk about their defensive core and what that's going to look like and they've got a goaltending situation that should mirror what they had last year if not be better with a 20 year old and dylan miscue todd scott uh, i think coming into his 19 year old season and then sebastian casa who was a six foot six goaltender and uh, you know that has the scouts salivating for sure so we'll see how that unfolds for the oil kings uh, we do have a couple text messages here uh, just some potpourri regarding the Oilers Tyler and Drayton Valley wants to know if there's anything to the Mike Hoffman trade rumors uh, getting the winger out of Florida he's his cap hit is north of five million it's just I'm sure there's an appetite to try and bring in a player like that of course there would be where is their room? Why would Florida trade a guy like that and take on a bad contract to do a favor to another team? It's just probably not going to happen. So I can tell you personally, I haven't heard anything about those rumors, and I also don't really see anything like that materializing this season. Next offseason might be a little bit different. You might see more wiggle room, but unless they're able to move out a contract, it, it's just probably not going to happen. And uh, Another text here, Adam Larson for Rasmus Ristolainen. 
why why are you trying to acquire? Why are you pushing so hard to acquire a guy who finished minus forty one last year? And that's not necessarily an anomaly for his game. I don't. I think he's a great player or has the potential to be a great player, but you got to prove it a little bit more. And there's another dude who carries a big, big cap hit. I think he's also up over $5 million as Restalinen. So yeah, Adam Larson's had a tough time last year. Uh, so did everybody on the Oilers. Look around. It's not unique to him. So I don't know that you need to move out somebody who is, you know, a defensive defenseman on this team to take on a risk. I would say that Rasmus Ristolainen has a, a lower floor than Adam Larson. That's just my opinion. You can disagree. If you do, text me at 630-630. Greg's wondering if there's been anything heard lately as to how Connor McDavid's knee is doing, whether he'll be attending the beginning of camp. All I can tell you is what uh, what Dave Tippett has said earlier and that he, he was going out to see him. I thought I saw on social media stuff of Connor McDavid skating. I don't want to fuel rumors or anything like that, but that was like a few weeks ago now, so I, I don't have any update on you for that. Mum is the word. You can bet they're going to take every precaution with the number one asset that they have in this franchise and arguably in the league. They're not going to rush it back. And I don't think Connor's the type of person who would sacrifice the rest of his career in that case either. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.